0: So what is up, everybody? Welcome to episode five of the week of wrestling podcast. And tonight we are doing something kind of different. There will be no news stories, but we are talking full detail of the superstar showdown or super showdown. I'm sorry. And I'm joined as always by my co-host Nico are going. How's it
1: going, brother? Uh yeah, uh, we got tired of doing the two three hour, hour shows. Yeah, the, the two- to three-hour shows, and we're like, we're, we're going a little too far with this, so let's condense it. We'll do a review one week uh, and a news recap the next, um, which fits in perfectly because I think we have a week off, and then we can cover Evolution the next week after that, um, or maybe Bound for Glory. Who knows? Um, maybe we'll we'll figure, we'll we'll figure it out from there, but yeah, we're covering the Super Showdown, which we did predictions for last week and new and three time three time three time film nerd TV slash the week of wrestling predictions champion of the world. Go ahead and be salty. Go ahead and the, be salty.
0: The one time that Vince changes his mind and lets both of the Australians win in their home country.
1: <laughs> hey, it was perfect planning because this was a this was a big enough show. That it called for the hometown favorites <laughs> winning, and I look forward to talking about those matches in particular because I could see like the genuine emotion on the on the Aussies' faces mm-hmm. when they got those victories. But that's later on. For now, let's start from top to bottom.
0: All right. So why don't you start? What
1: was the opening? Was it the tag team title match, the SmackDown tag title match? Uh yes, yes. The opening was. Also, this is something very interesting. All of the SmackDown titles were on the line here, except for the U.S. title, but none of the Raw titles were on the line. So that's very interesting right there. Um, I noticed that, too. But, yes, the first match of the card was The New Day, specifically Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Uh, Big E was on the outside this time, taking on Cesaro and Sheamus. The bar. The bar. Um, I don't know if, I don't know why Biggie sat out on this one. May, um, I don't know. Like they were selling after Hell in the Cell. I believe he had like some sort of rib issues. I don't know if that was an actual thing or if it was just something they were selling, but he stayed out for this one. I'm just trying to piece together why he would have stayed out for this one because, you know, Cesaro, Sheamus, they're power guys. They're power guys. So it was interesting that they went with the speed combo of Kofi and Xavier. Um, it was a good match. This match was good. I I will say that, like, I don't think really anything stood out to me here. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of in the same boat. It was a good match because you have two great tag teams, but there wasn't really a memorable spot that I could think of. Maybe the new tag finisher of Kofi and Xavier. Instead of using the midnight hour, they used, like, a double foot stomp. Uh,
1: What was it? prox uh, Props to the Knees, double foot stomp by Xavier. Uh yes. Uh, like um I think uh, one of them had uh was it? Cesaro in in a bridge position and then um then the other came off the top rope and did not a coup de gras, but uh they did a double foot stomp and yeah. one, two, three. Um I, again, there's not really a lot to unpack here because we've seen these two teams go at it so many times before. This was the opener of the show. This was to get the crowd hyped for what mm-hmm. was to come, and it would have been weird if Cesaro and Sheamus, at this point in their career, versus The New Day, at this point in their career, where they're just so they're back on the high, uh, uh, they're back on the high seas of uh, yeah. Pushville uh, and Pushville. I don't know. I was trying to think of an analogy, and it uh, completely faltered there. Uh, Top of the mountain. Yeah, top of the mountain, top of the mountain. Um, But, yeah, as expected, New Day won this one. Um, Good finish, good match, but honestly, nothing special. Only, like, if if there's anything I can point to, it's that Corey Graves. It's just fun watching the New Day win because it pisses him off. Yeah, like, pretty much. He hates he hates everything they do. He hates the pancakes. He hates the pancake people from WrestleMania, which is still one of my favorite entrances to date. Um <laughs> Francesca 2. By the way, how how many Francescas have there actually been? Like they're calling this one Francesca four. 2, but okay, so this is number four. Uh, we, we we've obviously lost count, and so has Michael Cole. Um but yeah, those I
0: respect to Francesca.
1: Those trombones take a lot of damage.
0: They do. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to uh, our next match, which I believe was Charlotte versus Becky for the title, correct? Yes. 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 SmackDown women's title on the line. Charlotte Flair goes against the champion, Becky Lynch, and this match ends in a disqualification when Becky Lynch. <clears throat> I guess lightly taps Charlotte's leg with the belt. That was a little weird. Like like she was trying to get it so hard, but like, I guess she like grazed her leg and everyone was like, call the bell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've, I I guess it was hard to get a sit up going so she could get more leverage with the belt swing. Um but yeah, that that's basically how the match ended. Is you use the foreign object, so the ref has to automatically call it, unless you're Minoru Suzuki, in which case fuck all that. Um, also, that's Japan, where people literally try to kill you every single second. So, good point. Good point. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, th- there. Unlike the first match, there were some stuff that stood out to me here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, first off, Charlotte's robe when she entered the uh, the match, like. That thing was pink as hell, but it, it worked. It, it, yeah. it like uh, Renee Young said it herself that Charlotte looked like a million bucks as she was walking out to the ring. Um,
0: Can I bring up something real quick? Sure. That arena looks amazing. The outdoor arena it looks kind of like a WrestleMania, like a big open venue, like
1: like uh, setting. Looks incredible. Well, yeah, like they even said so in, in some in the broadcast during a few of the matches. Like this was basically a WrestleMania um, outside of WrestleMania. Like you've heard the expression "Christmas in July." Uh, this was basically WrestleMania in the fall, uh, mm-hmm. and like they, they they went all out for this. Uh, in in a sense that like it was a gigantic arena full of seventy thousand plus people. Um, everyone was having a good time. Uh, I like, I should also mention that I like that they kind of kept it simple with the uh, actual ring decor and everything around it. Because, you know, in WrestleMania's past, they've tried to go all out with the way the stage and set design would look. And it could sometimes affect people's ability to see what was going on in the match. In this case, they kept it simple. Um, Everything was easy to see thankfully there was not a cloud in the sky so they didn't have to worry about rain because that's yeah. usually why when that's usually why they have those barriers that sort of block vision of the ring in at Wrestlemania is because usually they'll uh, go for it, uh, a venue that's kind of outdoor or half outdoor half indoor so they need something to protect the ring in case weather starts being difficult and yeah. in this case there was no cloud in the sky and uh, it worked It worked out in their favor. Getting back to this actual match, um, Charlotte looked like a million bucks coming out to the ring. And um, then once the actual action started, they were going for it. They were just picking up right where they left off from Hell in the Cell. One spot in particular that stands out to me is like, I believe um, Becky had gotten Charlotte to run into the ring post. And then Becky gets out of the ring and yanks Charlotte right out of the ring. over. over the first rope, over the bottom rope, and like just she just falls hard, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, that was that was like ooh, they're going for it, they're going for it, and mm-hmm. um, here you can continue from here.
0: Um, I really enjoyed this match. I even enjoyed the <clears throat> the screwy DQ finish because this is a rivalry that's been going on for a you know a while if you want to continue that robbery, this is a perfect way to do it, which we learned on SmackDown at Evolution is going to be uh, Becky defending her title against Charlotte in a last woman standing match. So, oh, my God, that's going to be epic.
1: Indeed it is. Indeed it is. And that's why, uh, well, I did say that there were some stuff in this match that stood out to me. Uh, One of the things that did stand out to me was that they kept – so they kept some stuff close to the chest here. They didn't really go all out as much as they could have, especially considering such a big show uh, as the Super Showdown. And that's probably because they knew something bigger was coming for evolution. In this case, a Last Woman Standing match. In terms of the overall WWE scale... Uh, the only one that comes to mind that they've done is Oscar versus Nikki Cross for the NXT Women's Title, and that wasn't even at a ta- that wasn't even at a takeover. That was at a standard NXT taping. Uh, yeah. So obviously they want to go all out this time, and that's why they kept things so uh, they kept things kind of reserved for this match. And the, if it feels like they might have gone a little farther than where they did on SmackDown this past Tuesday, it was because they had to tease it. That, uh, that's They had to tease what was coming for Evolution, and that's why they went for the uh, the crash into the stage scene, because they wanted to tease what was coming.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, overall, I enjoyed this match. I am loving this robbery between Charlotte and Becky. I love Becky's badass attitude. Uh. This is the perfect thing that they need to do with the character of Becky Lynch. Because after a while, like, she was getting kind of stale for a while. That good guy image wasn't really working for me. But when this happened, you could see an edge that she had in interviews of like, you don't want to push me? I'm Well, fine, I'm pushing myself to the top.
1: Like years ago, there was this big movement online for cesaro to gets that main event push and he kept going for the brass ring but it, uh the reason why he never got was because there was just something that i think the mcmahon family as a whole let alone vince what wasn't seeing out of him there was like there was just this one degree that he wasn't reaching I, don't know what, I mean cesaro has the full package uh i don't know i don't know the mcmahon's are weird but whatever he wasn't seeing in Cesaro, the McMahon family as a whole, especially Vince in this case, is seeing it in Becky. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, so much so that the people backstage are reportedly saying, look at what Becky has done. This is the example of grabbing the brass ring that we've been talking about. Go do that. And yeah. It ha- and is it has been tremendous for her. Um, and, you know... Hopefully, what we saw with this disqualification finish, it won't be a recurring theme with her and her heel character moving forward. i don't think it will. Because, like, let me just go back to something that's happened in the past. Kevin Owens, when he was given the Universal Championship, he got some outside help. That mm-hmm. was one of the uh, – but that was, like, the first time in, a, in, I think, his entire WWE career that he had actually gotten outside help. And then he joins up with Jericho and then it becomes a recurring theme. Same uh, with gender. Yes, yeah, same with gender. Like we were okay for that one time where he got the help of the Sing Brothers, and then it became a recurring theme. Uh, and it got
0: fucking with- annoying.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like Becky, this is her, this is her free card for you yeah. can do this um, in this particular setting. If it so long as it doesn't become a recurring thing. She will be fine, and, uh, I, and I'm not. And um, I'm saying that because we've been fans long enough that we know how yeah. other fans are going to react. Like, she can't help that if that's the way her character is going to be booked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but it, the reaction it could could become sour on her if it becomes a recurring thing.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of what the. But she needs, right? I mean, if she's playing the heel, you want fans to boo her. But I get it that, that they might lash out against her.
1: Yeah, but you just said she has an edge about her now. And if attacking people with outside objects and re- and repeatedly getting herself disqualified becomes a recurring theme in her character, then that edge will kind of get tainted. Yes, As it, I as agree. it did with Kevin Owens, as it did with Jinder Mahal and arguably as it did with Shinsuke Nakamura. Like for me, and I was a big fan of the ball punching thing for the longest time. And then even I got tired of even I got tired of it at some point. So like there Where's is Nakamura. Where the hell is he? He is facing Rey Mysterio next week. What? Yes, for the uh, WWE World Cup that they're planning for Crown Jewel, there's a qualifying match between Shinsuke and Rey Mysterio. Why haven't I heard about this? Because you probably did not watch SmackDown this week or did not see anything on Facebook. No,
0: and usually that would be everywhere where I am. I have not heard anything about this. Wow. But going back to um, the Becky situation, I don't think Vince would book her character to get DQ'd every week because, as you said, Vince is behind her. You know, it's it's not like a Kevin Owens situation where Triple H was behind Owens, but trip but uh Vince wasn't. You know, so that's why Owens kept getting the help. You know, Vince and the entire creative crew are behind Becky and behind this new kind of badass edge that they're gonna they're gonna do everything in their power to keep that that edge there.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I'm just saying, like we know how Vince can get sometimes. Sometimes he tries to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Vince has
0: uh, old man syndromes. Yes,
1: yes. So, Becky, this was your free card. Make sure Vince doesn't make you hitting people with foreign objects a recurring theme. A recurring theme in your character because you are good the way you are yeah. right now.
0: All right. So let's move on to John Cena and Bobby Lashley taking on Kevin Owens and Elias. I've heard people give backlash to this because they think that they're ruining Owens and Elias by ha- by having them lose. I don't think so because if you look at it, I think Owens and Elias are the two characters that will work no matter how and be over no matter how many times they lose. And they are going against two of the top stars in the company. John Cena, Bobby Lashley, Lashley right now. That's not being
1: buried at all. Exactly, and you and I said this when we were giving our predictions last week. Is um, we we said Elias and Kevin Owens are basically Teflon. Like no matter what negative stuff you throw at them, they come back the very next week fine and dandy because. People are behind their characters. People like it when Elias sings a mean song about them and their town, like he. And, and the
0: walk is, with Elias.
1: Yes, and Kevin Owens like he's a gigantic smartass, and people love smartasses. Uh, so so like,
0: technically, that there may have been a double turn on Raw. Which, uh,
1: and it will be about four to eight months before we see anything out of that double yeah, turn. Owens is injured, right? Yes, Owens. Were Reportedly, uh, has to have knee surgery. We just found out about this you today. Think that's a work. No, no, no. He like it. It's a it's a definite thing with him. Like, because uh, like you, they did a double turn. Uh oh. Well, supposedly a double turn on uh, is, on Monday. On is Monday. A double turn again. We won't know for sure until Kevin Owens comes back. But I, I trust the rumors that the main reason this was done was so Kevin Owens could get his knee fixed. Um, and then we'll see what happens in the four uh, in like four to eight months from now when he comes back and we know for sure where his character is going. Like, yeah, the
0: only reason I asked if it was, um, like a work is because, like, Owens didn't seem to have any signs of knee injuries going into uh, Super Showdown or Raw. I'm just wondering if they might have used this knee injury as a way to ride them off for a little bit and then have them come back as, you know, whenever Sami Zayn comes back and make them the two returning baby faces going against Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley, who are now heels for taking them both out.
1: What's stopping me from thinking this is not work is that they've kind of done the same thing this same week with Samoa Joe. Uh, uh, so, like... I really doubt they would try to go with two knee injuries to uh, to two people in the same week. Uh, so like, I, I am trusting that this is a legit thing. You I know, just
0: haven't heard anything about it
1: yet. You know, I know it's one of those things that came out of the blue, but it, it, it makes sense to me. Like Sammy Zayn, for the longest time, he would work with an injured shoulder until it became so much so that he couldn't work with it anymore. I don't know what, ha- I don't know what, could have happened that would have given Owens this injury, uh, but yeah, yeah, I trust that the reports are true, that he actually has an injury and he needs surgery to get it fixed and this could be good for his character in the long run, but we haven't even talked about the actual match yet. <laughs>
0: yeah. There was really nothing in this match that was memorable except for Cena's sixth move of doom, which was just a just a punch.
1: Yeah, well, first, let's... Cena's um,
0: let, let, haircut let, looked weird, too. Seeing Cena with, like, kind of
1: long, like, JBL-type hair is really weird. It is weird. I, I trust that it's for whatever movie role he's preparing mm-hmm. for. Like, we heard it mentioned on the commentary desk that he's been spending time in China with Jackie Chan, speaking nothing but Mandarin for three months, slimming down his body, preparing for a role. And that's essentially why he was in the match for all of like three minutes <laughs> Someone in the
0: comments said that john cena looks like the youngest and oldest person and we have no idea how that's possible uh
1: <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of the, of those old jokes that you look like a pedophile and the kid the pedophile went after <laughs> i've heard that used in several roast battles so uh yeah in, t- in like basically from what I understand, John Cena, as part of whatever movie contract he is signed to right now, he was not allowed to take any bumps for this match. Hence, why uh, everything he did was basically uh, offense. He uh, he got his attitude adjustment in. He got the five knuckle shuffle in, and he got yeah he basically got what is a back fist in like that. That's basically his move. Is it's a combination of a back fist. And a kung fu punch that's like where you hit Which, with the landing this way as opposed to the normal way of punch is.
0: I do find it funny that Cole legit called it his sixth move of Doom on commentary.
1: Well I I well, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if the move has an actual name. I uh other than what he what- said it like four times. I just couldn't hear what he said. I think he was saying it in Mandarin, and for all I know, it could have been the Mandarin translation of Sixth move of doom." So that'd be funny if it was. I'm assuming that's what it was. There's like an an actual name to this move that we're just not aware of. Let's just but, call it a punch, because that's what it was. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, t- basically, that's what it is. It's a punch. A back fist. <laughs> he, he finished Kevin Owens with a punch. No, uh, Elias. He finished Elias for the punch, but before that, basically Bobby Lashley was taking all sorts of offense. It was it was Elias and Ko just double teaming on Lashley over and over and over again for the better part of ten minutes. This match uh, was kind of boring to me. Yeah, not not a lot. Uh, there there wasn't much to really grab my attention in this match. Although after the match, we hear Cena pick up the mic. He says, this is where I'm at right now. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just happy to be here right now. And I'm thankful for this opportunity that was given to me, especially considering all the changes that I, uh, I'm going through in my life. It was fun to get to step back into the ring one more time because I know I'm running out of those opportunities. He didn't say th- those exact last words that I just said, but we like, read between the lines. That's kind of what he's mm-hmm. saying. He, he like For the longest time, when The Rock was coming in and out, in and out, uh Cena was like i'm the guy that's still here and now he's now he's in rock territory where he's basically like coming and going as he pleases because for one other opportunities are coming his way and two not everyone is going to be able to do this forever and Mm -hmm. he's been in the main event scene for a long time eventually all those hours that you put in are going to wear you down and yeah, so, like, who knows when we'll see John Cena again. Well, technically, we do know he'll be at Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel. Yeah. By, uh, uh, the, the World Cup. But after that, who knows when.
0: Yeah. See, I find it funny that, that the whole Rock Cena feud started because, you know, was like, I'm always here, and now he's almost nowhere
1: to be found because he's out doing movies. Well, th- that's basically the nature of the business is, like, Yeah. Like you and I are heavy duty trivia competitors, but let's be real. Eventually there's gonna be a period of time where we might get sick of, <laughs> of doing yeah. of doing those matches and we're gonna wanna step away for a bit. So like workhorses eventually need to rest. Mm-hmm. And that that's just life. That's just life. And John Cena is just like he's taking the other opportunities that life gives him and making the most of them. And we can't fault him for that
0: not I'm not faulting him. I'm just saying, like, how ironic is it that Cena goes
1: and does the same thing that Rock does? Ir- irony works in mysterious ways, and like that—that's we see it in a lot of movies. Um, that uh, history is poetry. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it always seems to repeat itself.
0: All right, so let's move on to the iconics taking on Oscar and Naomi. This was a really weird match, but it had a good ending.
1: I'm gonna be real with you. This is one of my favorite matches on the card. for For as short as it was, really, and, yes, for as short as it was, and for, uh, like, um, I don't want to say that a lot didn't happen because stuff did happen in this match. But, yeah. uh, but like, it obviously wasn't a main event status match. But for what we got to see. I really enjoyed. For starters, I love – there was, again, genuine emotion on Peyton Royce and Billy Kay's faces when they came out and they got to say, we're home. Did we're, you uh,
0: expect them to do like Alexa Bliss type thing when she was in her her, her hometown? Kind of no. like talk talk great about it and then immediately turn on the fans?
1: No, I, I didn't because I know that that's Alexa's stick. Shtick. She will do. She will lift you up, and then she will tear you right down. But um, for international stars, they will show tremendous pride in their home countries when, especially when they get to be in their home countries. Like Canada, sometimes Canadians will turn on their own home because. But granted, WWE gets to go to Canada a little bit more than they get to go to Australia. So. This was obviously a special moment for them. And I I, I I would have been surprised if they had actually took a moment to shit all over Australia. So for them to just take it in, sink it in, like be proud to be from there. And mm-hmm. it was special. Then we get to Asuka and Naomi's entrance. And it's one of those times where you think like these two shouldn't mix well together. But Thank they you. actually but they actually do, and like, Corey Graves sang so much fur, it looks like a fucking Sesame Sesame Street episode. Uh, And I agree with Corey when he's like, uh, I miss the Oscar that would just
0: come out, keep people in the face, and walk out.
1: And granted, that version of Oscar is fun, but it's also nice to just see uh, like, see Oscar having fun just getting to dance and yeah. have a good time in like a short match uh like because she was in the main event scene for the longest time and sometimes just getting to go back down to the mid card for something like this it's a nice little break I, I and I'm certain that they'll come up with something for her uh, in the main event scene again in the future ruined the Oscar character T- to you they have to me I, I, I feel like there's still a lot of redemption to be had. Uh, but anyway Oscar and Naomi they dance their way to the ring like it, it, somewhat in unison they're just having a good time and like the in ring chemistry between these four uh like uh, we get to see the double team stuff it it works um Oscar and Naomi very athletic uh I, I i'm stumbling on my words here but i'm just I enjoyed this match. I enjoyed this match. I enjoyed the genuine emotion we got to see from the hometown competitors here. I got to enjoy every bit of Asuka and Naomi being on the same page. Like, this match was fun. This match was fun for me. It embodies the fun of wrestling, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but to me, like, this was pretty much a nothing match. Like I can't think of, you know, any memorable spot aside from the finish, which their team finisher is kind of weird. It's just like a high elevated knee strike.
1: I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm just like in terms of in terms of the character development going on in this match, like uh, and the team building. I liked it. I liked it. I mean, to each their own, right? I, I'm stumbling to describe what I saw that I liked, uh, and I don't know why, but it's just like something about it, se- it sent positive emotion through me. And, like, I mean, it- you watch, we watch wrestling to be entertained.
0: And if you're entertained by this, you know, it's going to make you happy. me, I didn't really enjoy this match because there was no stakes. There wasn't anything to keep me invested, and in the the in ring ability was okay. But I wish there was some sort of story behind it that would have kept me more engaged.
1: Well, the, the, this is the beauty of imagination. Is like sometimes when there isn't a story fully laid out in terms of a script. Then you can just find the stories that are there that are not being talked about as much. And in this case, the story for me was Billy Kay and Peyton Royce coming home, uh, getting to perform in front of their home country, in front of their home continent. Uh, and Oscar and Naomi, th- this random pairing that came out of nowhere and yet gels so well together. They have so much in common in terms of like their wardrobe in terms of their gimmicks in terms of their athleticism uh, and their fun nature like just a whole bunch of stuff that you wouldn't think would work it worked for me
0: okay so let's move on to the wwe championship match no qualification no count there must be a winner the champion aj styles defending his championship against
1: schmojo uh first off Every video package for a match featuring Samoa Joe is gold, and yes. it, it like hell in a cell. That promo package was great. Mm-hmm. This one, equally if not better, uh, like j- and Daddy's it, home. Yeah, like it, it's just because Samoa Joe, we, we've said this a million times, Steve and Larson have said it on a couple occasions. Samoa Joe feels like a villain in a Quentin Tarantino film. Like his ability does. to deliver menacing dialogue is just beautiful. And um like the one line that sticks out to me is he said, Now, I was fine with you beating me, but you basically stole oh, the my, title. My title. Yeah, like he 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 in his mind, the hell in a cell loss is not a loss. He feels like he was robbed of the championship. Technically, though, is he wrong in thinking that AJ tapped right at two? He's not wrong. He's not wrong for thinking that. But in terms of like the actual, excuse Mm -hmm. me, telling of the story, uh, in the way and the menacing tone in his voice in which he would describe how he's feeling, the uh, how enraged he is, how he that he has been robbed of what he believes is his it's perfect it's perfect and uh in this match the from start to finish like they didn't do the introductions in the ring like uh, jojo she didn't wait until they got in the ring she just said introducing introducing and they're just standing on the outside aj is taking his dear long time to take all of his clothes off on the stage uh, or at least the the gear that doesn't matter, and he just. The way you
0: said that sound like AJ was a
1: stripper. I'm sorry, I did. Uh, <laughs> he takes the belt and his his hood off. Uh, you get what I mean, and he just, <laughs> uh, he just slowly walks down the ramp. And the closer he gets to Joe, the faster he starts moving. And uh, uh, the closer and they AJ. Run at goes. each other. Yeah, they just dart at each other, and this is kind of a recurring theme with a lot of Joe's matches specifically high profile matches is it'll start off fast and explosive with some kind of brawl on the outside. And then once the bell rings, the pace slows to very methodical and menacing. And like, it's like you get to, you get to really take your time breaking down, uh, your opponent's bodies. Uh, and like, we're getting those exchanges in strikes between AJ and Joe, AJ and Joe, like one spot that stands out to me was like, Joe tries to throw A.J. over the announce table. A.J. lands on his feet, chases Joe back into the ring and just wails on him uh, like we're seeing some stiff kicks from A.J., and then Joe's just, like, taking him. He's starting to hulk up a little bit, gets the chops, and that sends A.J. right back. They're going blow for blow for blow for blow uh, on the outside, inside, back on the outside. Um, I love it when A.J. does the phenomenal forearm off of the barricade between the rays yeah. and, and the fans. Uh, like, because obviously there's not a lot of spring, if any at all, on the on those barricades that are padded. Uh, mm-hmm. But yet he still gets so much air, so much distance with that jump because mm-hmm. that's just – he's phenomenal. He's got that athleticism mm-hmm. that allows him to, to do that. And um, at some point they bring out a table. And, uh, yeah. and this is where I'm trying to think, like, is Joe – actually hurt or not because aj was struggling to get joe on his shoulders after countering a top rope maneuver and it was supposed to be a backdrop into the table instead aj kind of loses his balance and drops joe sideways honestly and, and yeah and joe i i'm guessing the way it happened was aj was still kind of holding on to joe and because joe's weight was going sideways Joe's knee kind of buckled while AJ was still holding on to him. Uh, and then once he actually went through the table that's uh, and took the landing, that's where the knee buckled. And I'm trying to think, like, Joe, he wears the thickest knee pads ever. Um, like, if they were, uh, like, the only thing that's keeping the Stone Cold Steve Austin comparisons is um, Stone Cold had metal knee braces. Joe has very, Joe has thick cloth braces. Um, and so when Joe says my knee popped, I'm thinking there's a chance that his knee actually did pop because when you're wearing those thick braces, your knees have obviously been through a lot. Yeah. Uh, What's also going through my head is the ref didn't throw up the X, but at the same time, we're in a period in wrestling now where the X is kind of being used as part of booking. So I'm like, am I supposed to trust that he's okay because there's no X or... Um, you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, but no X was thrown. Joe keeps going for as best he, as he can. So what I'm thinking in my mind is, Joe Joe's knee popped for a second, and then he was fine. And then he said something to the ref, and then the ref said something to AJ. And then from then on, whatever they had planned changed to AJ going after the knee. I don't think planned from the start. I don't think it was a legit injury. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be I'll go with you on that. I don't think it was legit either. But in my head, I was like, "Oh no, did something actually happen?" Yeah, that was when I was watching the match, um, so AJ immediately starts targeting that knee. He goes for the calf slicer, and then we get a lot of nice transitions. Calf slicer. Uh, uh, well, that that that's the technical jujitsu term for it, but uh, for AJ, it's the calf crusher. Similar, uh, but whatever. But, yeah, he goes for the calf crusher, and then Joe starts countering for the rear naked choke, and we get this really nice back-and-forth battle. For I a thought Joe sh- had it at one point. Same here. One submission versus the other. They're going back and forth. And then we see a repeat of the, of the spot from Hell in a Cell, and then AJ, he counters one last time, gets the calf crusher in. Joe is, like, trying to get to the ropes, and then finally he taps.
0: Well, I one. mean, and they brought up a commentary anyway. If
1: Joe got the ropes, it wouldn't matter. There's no DQ. For once, that is actually holds true. But, y- you know, sometimes they'll forget that, oh, we booked yeah. this match for no disqualification. But, like, oh, you got the ring for ropes. Omega, 12. So, like, like, even when the – correct me if I'm wrong, but for Triple H and The Undertaker later on that night, wasn't there, like, a rope break at some point?
0: No, I don't think so. But again, like Jericho and Omega at WrestleMania 12, with Jericho with the greatest line of all time,
1: it's no DQ, you idiot. Ah, Jericho, you're the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, he is. All right, so um, yeah, that's basically what happened in the match. Unless you have something to add that I forgot.
0: Nothing. Just I love this feud. I don't want this feud to end. Um, both matches have been great. This match is awesome. This is one of my my favorites of the night. If it wasn't for one more that was on the card.
1: So from the looks of it, this feud is going to be taking a break uh, because obviously the number one contender was crowned later on that evening. And also uh, apparently after John Cena's match, uh, Joe had something to say on Instagram. I can't remember what it was, but he basically kind of took shots at John Cena on social media. So it looks like that might be the next feud that we Oh we're going- God! And to be fair, like th- this is a f- uh, John Cena versus Samoa Joe. There's a lot of history there because they both came up in OVW at the same time, and oh. Oh. Uh, and also b- before Joe got injured and before Cena went off to go shoot a bunch of movies, this was a feud that was being teased, mm-hmm. and we never got to see that match. So I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for AJ versus you know who will say later on. Yeah.
0: See, you and me are like polar opposites on the show. You're more
1: optimistic, and I'm just like, why the fuck are you doing this me? I have a lot of faith in people, even when they do dumb shit. So. I don't want to see Joe versus Cena. You say that now, but I have a feeling once we get the actual match, you might change your mind. The match is literally going to be a squash match with Cena going over. You say that, yeah, but... Tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Cena's at this point in his career now where he can take uh, defeats. But, but is he? No. You don't know for sure. You don't know for sure. We'll see. Time will tell.
0: Alright, so let's move on. The six-woman six, six women tag team match as Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins take on the Riot Squad which I was processing Liv Morgan actually took more offense than I was expecting her to take in this match.
1: She took the weirdest bump. I say bump in quotation marks I've ever seen in my entire life in that Brie basically grabbed her tongue and held it. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And yeah, like in terms of, pain i really doubt there was much going on there because like a tongue is naturally slippery so like what are you you're it, like she i'm assuming live was standing still just so Bree could get an efficient hold on the yeah. tongue but like in terms of grossness uh it's probably equal to randy orton grabbing jeff hardy's earlobe but it's a different kind of grossness in that it's just like ew personal hygiene that is yeah. disgusting they're touching this dirty mat that a bunch of people have been on. And now she just grabbed this woman's tongue and yanked it. So like so pretty
0: much this match ended once Rhonda got in the ring.
1: Um, yeah. And uh, thank you, Corey Graves for hyping up the story that I had uh, basically said was going to be told uh, in last week's episode, which is that this was Rhonda's homecoming to us at homecoming, uh, Not necessarily, but this was her return to Australia for the first time since Holly Holm basically took the belt and chased her out of MMA for the first year before Amanda Nunes chased her away from MMA permanently. Forever. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So, like, there was a lot of emotional baggage for Rhonda here uh, in that she wanted to put on a better showing than she did the last time Mm -hmm. she was in the country of Australia.
0: And holy crap, I love the... The ending of this match, which she definitely proved her point.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh Rhonda's character is the best woman on the planet, and that's basically what when she got tagged in, that's basically what you got. You got the best woman on the planet, yep, and like she was just going, she was wrecking shop. Like every time Ruby touched her, flip, every time Liv Morgan touched her, flip, flip. every time Sarah Logan touched her. Flip and then finally we get to the spot that ended the match. She's going for one arm bar, then all of a sudden she gets hit from behind, and then she's grabs the other per then she grabs the other person's arm. I can't remember who she It was, was
0: Liv Morgan and uh, Sarah Logan.
1: Yeah, I remember she was going after them at the same time at the end. I'm just trying to think who was she going after <laughs> first before the other one jumped in and failed to save the other.
0: I think right. it was she had like she had Liv first in the armbar, then
1: Logan got flipped over into the the uh, final move or whatever. Yeah, I thought it was the other way around. I thought she had Sarah first and then Liv came in, but uh, we can go back and look at the footage later. Um, yeah. But yeah, basically she stacks Liv on top of Sarah uh, and she's got one arm in one hand, the other arm in the other. She just tucks them underneath her arm, leans back, and then double arm bar. Which we've seen a lot of double submissions before, and excuse me, sometimes it looks a little weird because you're like, how is how there are two people on top of each other, and Natalia has a sharpshooter on both. Yeah, and I'm like, doesn't the fact that there are two legs. Uh, one on top of the other. Doesn't that kind of like negate the submission a little bit? But then again, I've never put a double sharpshooter on anyone. Um, but this in my head, I'm like, I could see a scenario in Jitsu in which like you could get enough leverage to submit both of them, especially if they're in the position that they're in. And like, it was, it was just awesome. It was awesome. Oh yeah. Rhonda finally gets the, that win in Australia that she's been looking for for Several years now. And, you know, m- solid storytelling on the Monday after this match as well because, like, she gets the final member of the Riot Squad that she hadn't gotten at the Super Showdown. She gets uh, Ruby Riot in that arm bar too. And then she's celebrating with the Bellas, and then the Bellas turn on her. Oh, uh, God. Keep, keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. And I, I know you're, you're sour on the idea of Ronda feuding with Nikki. but Nikki Nikki is the stronger of the, of the two Bella twins when it comes to wrestling ability, in my opinion. And you you know, Nikki, I feel like she is the right way to go here. Uh, Especially now that they've made, we we, we say what we like about SmackDown is that it has those interpersonal relationships and the long-term story storytelling between those relationships. Who was Rhonda's? first friend outside of Natalia when she came onto Raw it was the Bella Twins and now that the Bella Twins have basically turned their backs on her uh, uh there there's some fuel to the fire here and we get to see like ha- and and we get to see what rhonda can do as an actress in terms of like this is someone who I trusted and she pissed me off uh I and, mean
0: we Ronda's acting and uh, it's not the best
1: but hey in a wrestling environment it could pro- it, it and with the work that she's been putting in, it there there there's definitely room to say that this could turn out to be the the this could turn out to live up to better expectations than at least you're setting for it. The only thing is
0: the only thing I'm looking forward to is her just demolishing Nikki. Oh, we know that's going to happen. We know that. I've that's, never been a Bella Twins fan. I just haven't. I never saw the
1: appeal in them. See, for me. I I got into wrestling in 2008, but I was I had never watched WWE until like 2011. So for me, I was just starting what uh, starting to watch after the Bell Twins had had a couple years in, and I saw that they were trying their hardest to improve. Like they were fi- and they were fighting to get those longer matches of of at least a little bit more loudly than some of the uh, than some of the other girls on the main roster. Now the uh, and then NXT kind of made the official in-ring push for those longer times, but yeah, for for me the Bell Twins in my mind they are pioneers in their own way and that without them, they played a role in why we have Evolution coming up later on this month. And you know, it, it, it would it seems appropriate that she gets this Main event slot. It might not be what everyone wants, but it, it, someone who has done so much for the women's movement, I feel like it, it's appropriate that she gets this push.
0: Another thing, like, what has Nikki done to earn a, a Raw Women's Championship match? She came back. She had a few tag team matches. That was
1: it. She pissed off Rhonda. And when you piss off Rhonda, that's usually enough. See, I'd much rather see it. Like if you want to go personal relationship
0: stories, I'd rather go Natalia turn on Ronda because Natalia's been winning one on one matches on Raw, setting up her, uh, you know, heel turn or whatever. Then and you know Natty has earned her way into it because she's she keeps winning matches on Raw. Then you have Ronda Natalia in a
1: personal feud, and that's fair. But for me, I've never been a f- a fan of Natalia as a heel. Uh, like I remember one person saying she reminds me of the lady at the grocery store who's angry that her coupons aren't working, uh, <laughs> and the, that's just how I, that's just how I see her when she tries to be a heel. It, it, it like she, she's not. She a- she's not evil. She's more so a- a- a annoying and a- and a pain in the neck. And for Nikki, I feel like she like. From what stands out to me is she once said when she was feuding with her sister i wish you had died in the womb and although the delivery of that of that line was kind of crazy it was awful that line was cringe i will agree with you but the fact that she was going to go there sh- uh, shows me that like the, the fact that they fucking had jerry springer there too that that was a weird time for them that was a weird time for them like big show was on his 5th 15th uh, uh heel/face turn simultaneously 2000th heel turn at that time like the best thing they had going for them at that time i think was uh the Rhodes bro- uh, the Rhodes brothers versus the shield um uh, mm-hmm. which by the way we should do a review of that pay-per-view at some point battleground yeah yeah um but i so basically the, the gist of it is you're confident that uh that this feud might not be good i have hope I have hope for this feud, and we both know that the payoff is going to be at Evolution. We both know Ronda is going over. If Nikki went over, I think we'd both be shocked. Uh, but
0: I'd be pissed more than shocked.
1: I'm, I'm going to remain optimistic because somebody has to. That,
0: you and me just don't work
1: well off each other because
0: we're like polar opposites. I look at it more of a wrestling purist fan. You're just like a WWE fan that's like I
1: hope this is good. I, I but See that, that this is why the Star Wars fan base is so at war all the time. It's because like y- y- you're saying wrestling purist versus WWE guy and I'm like what what exactly makes one or the other? Like can, well, can, I, think- can I just enjoy like the, the 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 crazy aspects that is all of wrestling? Like I mean- yeah, I get that. You like, and I are both wearing uh, Bullet Club shirts right now, so we obviously love New Japan. You and I have been fans of TNA for uh, slash Impact Wrestling for a long time. You are always fans of TNA Wrestling. Although we're at a weird point in our lives right now where you're watching it, I'm kind of not. Uh, I'm kind of watching it too. Ring of Honor, we go back and forth, but we like the product when we watch it. Uh, it all in, one of my favorite things about it was the penis druids. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> And that followed, uh, that followed a Texas death match. Uh, uh so like we're, uh, there, there's a lot about wrestling that anyone not wrestling ever... fight, not Texas death match. Oh, whoops. Sorry. But my point is there's a lot about wrestling that anyone and everyone can like me. I'm trying to like everything and anything that's given to me. And like, it, I, cause I don't want to leave feeling negative. I don't want to uh, go home and go to bed feeling like that was a shit show. Uh, so, like, if I can find a positive about this particular rivalry and this match that we're going to see at Evolution, I'm going to I'm going to work with it. I'm going to work with it and run with it because at the end of the day, I want to enjoy wrestling. I mean, I do too, and that's why the storyline doesn't work for me
0: because. One, there's no story going into it except, oh, my God, the, the Bell has attacked me. But there is that, a,
1: That's there, a story. There is a story, though, in that, like, hey, you were you two were my closest friends besides Natalia when I came in here. And now while Natalia is dealing with family stuff, you guys were kind of the only friends I had in the locker room. And now here we are. You've jumped me from behind after we've been through so much together. You've suddenly turned on me. Now I'm gonna make you pay. I'm and That's pay. the thing. Like your arms. We haven't seen a lot of on-screen
0: connection between Rhonda and the Bellas, like we had with Natalia and Rhonda. The Bella twins show up in like one-minute segment for Rhonda. One of them was fucking awkward about um, talking about a call-out with Rhonda. And the Bella's like, "Yeah, go do it," and then. Like there wasn't enough build for me to
1: care, but there—it's in the little things. It's in the little things because I—I I, I recall when that—we're going way over with this discussion, but uh, let me finish off at this point. I recall that it was that when Ronda was asking about an open challenge, uh, I believe it was Nikki Bella who mentioned her Divas title reign. So she's trying to like make the conversation about herself uh, uh, and like. What's new though? Like even as a face, Nikki did that. There's no difference. But that in in my mind, that's that works for the rivalry that they're trying to set up. And that like they they planted a little seed that you might not have noticed, but once someone it says, hey, they did this little thing. Like she tried to make the conversation about herself, so that she's showing a little bit of jealousy of Rhonda having the spotlight, even though she's trying to be her friend. And so, like, it was just a matter of time before she turned on Rhonda. So, for me, like, the seeds were planted. The seeds were planted. Uh, Let me end it off with this. reason I'm being so
0: negative towards these booking decisions is because I feel that these booking decisions on Raw are forced. They're just thrown together. And if we don't say anything about it, we just go along with it product on raw is not gonna get the quality of rivalries that Smackdown has they're just gonna keep doing the same thing because we say
1: it's okay fair enough fair enough I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say like they, they say this on the four center podcast all the time speculate responsibly don't let your head cannon affect the actual canon that's uh, being told in front of you uh, like y- you can have what you want just try to find reasons to enjoy what we're getting at the same time like you you can have a problem you, you you can you can say they could be doing this better they could be doing this better at the same time don't let that ruin your experience
0: i mean i'm give, I, i'm going to give it a chance because I'm going to watch the pay-per-views but i just me personally i can't stay quiet and just follow what they want me to follow because i know things can be better Look at SmackDown. All three of SmackDown's robberies are perfect. And that's because they add a lot of detail. They give a story, and they make you care about – I care about AJ and Joe. I care about Charlotte and Becky. Hell, I care about Orton's next opponent because Orton's heel turn was perfectly done.
1: Okay, Okay. let's move on to – because we've spent way too much time on this particular (laughs) conversation. Um, let's get, this was my favorite match of the night. This match was brilliant. Uh, like so much going on here now. Important to note. This was one of those rare times that the, not rare because they've been doing it a lot lately, but they broke tradition again in which they had the champion come out first. By the way, the match we're talking about is the cruiserweight championship of Cedric Alexander defending against Buddy Murphy. Murphy. Uh, Now, they had Cedric Alexander, the champion, come out first. But there was a reason for that, and that was because they knew that the pop for the hometown guy of Buddy Murphy was going to be so big. That pop was insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they obviously didn't want Cedric to get booed by coming out second to Buddy Murphy. So, yes. so instead they just like, oh, we're going to cheer for this guy, and then we're going to cheer like crazy for the hometown guy, which which in my opinion was well done.
0: Now let me uh, start by saying this. I started watching 205 Live when the Cruiserweight tournament started, when Drake Maverick had the tournament, and then that was when we were introduced to the new uh, Buddy Murphy. I absolutely loved his character. And mostly because he improved over his time. He
1: left for a little bit and came back even better. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um Buddy Murphy when he was in his NXT tag team championship reign with Wesley Blake arguably the biggest star of that team was Alexa Bliss. Bliss. Yeah. And that's why she's had such a big push since she's come to the main roster was because she got her, she busted her chops as a manager uh, all the while harnessing her ability as a wrestler. And like, she got that experience on the mic to become the super heel that she is. Uh, And meanwhile, that left Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy in awkward positions. And they both kind of went their separate ways. Um, Buddy Murphy uh, the most I had known about him since his Tag Team Championship reign ended was that he was apparently engaged to Alexa Bliss. We found okay. that out on Total Divas, and I think they still are. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. uh, but, yeah, I think they still are. And then he decided, I'm going to change my body. I'm going to change everything about me. I'm going to go to 205 Live, and I'm going to show them what I can do as a solo star. Holy shit. Buddy's a huge cruiserweight. Both these guys arguably are like they they cut from I'd say the two thirties at least yeah easily and uh you and I being MMA fans we know what severe weight cuts can do to guys but yeah like for for Buddy and for Cedric it's worked tremendously for them because they found a home here in the purple and orange brand of WWE that is two oh five live and they were just like from the moment the bell rang. Buddy Murphy was like a rocket set on fire. He was going after it.
0: The match started with a sucker punch by uh, Murphy right off the bat.
1: And you, you go for it. You go for it because I'm always on my words today.
0: That's fine. This match started off fast and hard. Sucker punch by by Murphy. Murphy, I believe, goes and tries to do a uh, top rope dive, stops halfway between, finally hits it later on in the match, and we are off on a go. I'm going to skip a lot of this match because I watched it last week when it happened, so there's going to be some moments that are kind of blurry to me. But I remember Cedric, or, um, Buddy kicking out of the lumbar check, which was very shocking. I thought it was over when you hit the lumbar check. And then Murphy caught him with a knee when Cedric goes for the, the diving clothesline. And then from the knee, he hits the Murphy's Law, which was what, like a package, uh, Dead Valley driver almost.
1: I think so. I think so.
0: And one, two, three, and the pop was huge when he won the title. But
1: yeah, Johnny. the oh sorry, you froze up on us real quick, bud. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you you forgot to mention that before. Uh, Cedric went for the lumbar check. Uh, he went for a Spanish fly just out of nowhere. Yeah,
0: and My he God, has a Spanish
1: fly, and then the lumbar check. He has one of the best Spanish flies in the entire. Oh, oh he does. Like, right up there with Ricochet. Right up there with Johnny Mundo. Like. It's just amazing how – and it, it it just comes out of nowhere. and it, Perfect it, timing. So beautiful. So beautiful. Um, but, yeah, like you said, uh, Buddy Murphy gets his finisher, one, two, three, and the crowd just goes wild. Um, there's some debate here at, in terms of after the pay-per-view as to whether or not Buddy Murphy is the actual first Australian born. Uh, champion, um, definitely the first Australian champion in terms of nationality. But um, Nia Jax supposedly was born in Australia. I haven't double checked to see if like she was. She said something on Instagram, and it kind of got the internet in a stir. Like some people who are American can be born outside the states. Uh, I, I know that's kind of crazy for people to uh, to realize, especially in the era of Make America Great Again. But um to that. Okay, okay. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw that out there because it, it, it's part of, like, the internet being weird. Um, but, yeah, like, the, the crowd was so happy for Buddy, and Buddy was obviously happy because, like, he got to have – this was like the British Bulldog winning the European Championship in the UK. Like, th- that's what it meant for him. He got to finally get the big one or at least his big one technically it's the small one because it's uh, a weight class based belt uh I'm making stupid jokes um, yes, you are. but he got he got the he got the title that he was aiming for and got it in his home country in yeah. his town in his home country because mm-hmm. uh, he's from Melbourne so th- this was a big moment for him it was special and I believe on the next episode of 2 or5 live Cedric ate a pin. So like I didn't watch it. So now we're in this weird. So now we're in this interesting place for Cedric Alexander, and that he was on an undefeated streak for a year, and now he's lost two matches back to back. Yeah. So now we're 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 telling the story for him of like being at the highest of highs, and now he's going down to the lowest of lows. Different story. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm excited. I'm excited, Mm -hmm. and like 205 live, it, it, it like. No, um and uh, work. Um, uh, Mustafa Ali, he's still kicking ass over there. Uh, and um, Mike and Maria Canellis are uh, yeah. have made their way to 205 live as well. So there's some new. Which blood. I didn't think Mike was a cruiserweight. Uh he uh, he had apparently been having some weight issues, um, uh, like some sort of medical issue that was preventing him from getting his body where it needed to be. Maybe it might have been a similar thing to whatever got Cassius Ono fired the first time he was in NXT. Um, yeah. Uh, don't quote me on that, internet. Um, but uh, yet yeah, now he and Maria are at 205 Live, so there's new blood for Buddy Murphy to uh, take on as he goes off on this new chapter of his what career. A uh, face or a heel on 205 Live. Um. Well, definitely in Australia, he was viewed as the face. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, I think with 205 Live, it's regardless of whether you are trying to be the villain or the hero, the crowd will cheer you on because they are so damn impressed with your work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. Like, I'm going to cheer for uh, Buddy Murphy because I love what he
1: does in the ring. Um,. And he, and he definitely gained a lot of fans after this performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, this might be the boost that 205 Live needed uh, uh, to get back up there in the ratings, especially now that I'm it's gonna moved. watch the, the new episode later on uh, tonight. Especially now that it's moved to Wednesday. So it's basically the precursor for NXT. Uh, uh, so, like, three hours of wrestling packed in from 205 Live to NXT to NXT uh, the UK. To the May to the May Young Classic. No NXT UK is three o'clock where I am, two o'clock where you are. Uh, oh, so oh, it's early. Yeah, so uh, NXT UK is going to be an afternoon show for you and I. Uh, yeah,
0: that makes sense because it's going to be afternoon time for the British too. it's not going to be kind of.
1: No, I think I think it, I think are setting it up for for nighttime. I th- I nighttime, think yeah. On their, on their end, it's afternoon time for us.
0: Yeah, but. One thing I love is after Murphy won the title, you see the emotion pour out on his face when he's holding the title up and just like the sea of crowd, like that. That whole camera angle was amazing because, like the crowd erupts and he's on the on the top turnbuckle holding
1: up the title. Like I said, it's like British Bulldog winning the European Championship in his hometown. Uh, that, that that like this was. For, for Buddy Murphy and for Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, this was a very special day for them. First time and
0: this will ever happen.
1: Where both hometown favorites get the win yep. in their hometown. Well, first time hopefully won't be the last time.
0: Now watch. The next time it happens,
1: no Australians win at all. Listen, if I don't, I can't remember the name of the uh, Brazilian uh, – um, Competitor in the May Young Classic, but oh,
0: I know who you're talking about.
1: But if WWE ever goes to Brazil again with her on the 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 roster for that card, she's she better win because Brazilians they get pissed if their hometown favorite does not win. I trust. Look at any soccer game footage. Look at any UFC footage. They they will boo you out of the crowd. They will talk shit about your family if mm-hmm. if if you beat their hometown favorite. So, yeah. so
0: let's move on cuz we've been on these matches forever. Yeah. So next, is the six man tag team match. The Shield taking on the Dogs of War, Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Go ahead with
1: your thoughts. Um so the shield entrance in this particular building was very unique uh, mm-hmm. because, like, as they had each one come out to a diff- uh, from a different section of the crowd. Yeah, uh, I, ble- I believe it was Seth in the middle, Dean on the on the left, Roman on the right, mm-hmm. and then they would meet as they came down the stairs. Uh, so, just aesthetically, I thought that was cool. They also had masks on, yes. um, which is a throwback to when they. We we're kind of trying stuff out when they first debuted. Uh, they were like, "What is our gimmick?" Uh, like we had the turtlenecks first, then we switched to the uh, squat vests. And did you hear
0: the the weird tell of the original Shield?
1: Uh, wh- where it, you mean the CM Punk uh, version that he told on um, Colt Cabana's podcast? Or kind of, but like instead
0: of Roman Reigns, it was going to be Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Cassius Ono? That I
1: heard, yeah.
0: And they were going to come out with a police shield that has the shield on it and have uh, police uh, batons swinging around.
1: So they were basically going to take the riot police thing to the fullest extent. Yep. And uh, Rollins was like, that's the most dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. And... Good on him for speaking up, good on all of them for speaking up, because because they've been able to, for about half a decade now, they've been able to make what, they've been able to make this work for them. Yeah, which,
0: I am kind of intrigued to see what a S.H.I.E.L.D. would look like with Rollins, Ambrose, and Ono. uh,
1: Like, three, like, indie darlings together. Yeah, at this point in time, I'd rather see Ono join the bar because he and Cesaro have that chemistry from back when they were a, a team in NXT. I just want to see the Kings of Wrestling team again. Well, yeah, and like, because you could you could make that a faction. You you like you take what worked in NXT with 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 Ono and Cesaro, have Sheamus in the mix and the now ROH. You got a Wait. faction of the kings of wrestling, uh, and like we can say, we are the kings of wrestling, and we don't just set the bar; we are the bar. <laughs> like, you, there, there's so much you could play the with the
0: bar of wrestling,
1: nah. nah. I, uh, okay, we're we're getting off topic again. So, get-, <laughs> get a lot. Yes, we do, we do, and that's why we have a two-hour show. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, we're almost uh, done now. So. How about you cover the first half of this match, and I'll cover it towards the end.
0: Okay, so this match, again, I'm gonna be
1: going everywhere because my I didn't rewatch this like you did. Well, I didn't uh, get a chance to rewatch it. We started recording right as I finished the cruiserweight title match.
0: Oh, so. uh, okay. Um, so this match started off fast and furious with Dolph and Drew, uh, kind of keeping was it Seth away from his team, like tri- uh, Triple teaming him. Uh, good ring work, cutting the ring in half, keeping um, Seth away from his partners. Then Ambrose gets tagged in, goes on a flurry, and then uh, towards the end, it, uh, Roman hits uh, Dean with a Superman punch, knocking him out off the um, ring apron onto the floor. Then, as somehow, Ambrose gets on the completely other side of the ring,
1: which, just imagine him, like, army crawling. Like, hold on, excuse me, excuse me. I'm envisioning him going under the ring to get to the other side of that (laughs) ring. Because, like, so much was happening anyway that he probably was like, I need some space to recover. Yeah. And, so, yeah, you, you mentioned Roman. He accidentally hit Dean Amon for someone else. And then... Uh they get the dogs of war on the outside, but then they start to do what the shield is known for, which yeah, the, circling the ring. Yeah, they circle the ring and they start climbing up the ropes. And then we see Dean pop out in the back view and he does the same thing. And i well, we the
0: only one who wasn't like wasn't buying this. I was like, I know like I can see what's gonna happen here.
1: I, I'm with you. I, I kind of was like, no, nah, no, nah, he's not. Turning. Not yet. It's not, not yet, at least. But he's not turning here. Um, yeah, way too soon to do that. Yeah. So like, he st- he runs in, and then he can't remember who was in the middle. It was uh, Strowman. Okay. Yeah. He goes after Strowman and just drop kicks him off the ring. Yeah. Then. All hell breaks loose again. It's very hard to describe in words what happens in the six-man tag, especially yeah, it is. with with all six of these guys. And of but,
0: course, Dolph takes takes the pin after a triple power bomb from the Shield.
1: No, yeah.
0: it wasn't a, a triple power bomb. It was a super kick into a, a dirty deeds by Dean to win the match.
1: Yeah, yeah, and. um Trying to think, was there a spear in there too? Because Yeah,
0: Rain spear, Strowman on the outside saving Dean
1: from an attack from Strowman. And by the way, that spot was like my eyes widened and my jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, holy moly, that was like yeah. right at the last second, and the the barricade just exploded. Mm-hmm. Uh like these six in the rain together is magic. Yeah. So Like, regardless of how you feel about how they've been booked in the past, present, or future, when they're in the ring together, in the here and in the now, it's just a magical thing to behold. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And so they get the pin on Dolph, and that sets things up for Monday Night Raw, in which, like, the Dogs of War are kind of showing some dissension. They're getting a little pissed at Dolph because Dolph is still trying to act like the hotshot, But he's the one who took the pin at the Super Showdown. There's also some anger with Drew because Drew was the one who took the pin on Raw the week before. Um, So then we think they'll like
0: they'll the dogs of war will drop Dolph
1: and then welcome Ambrose as like the leader. With Braun in there, I doubt Dean will take the leadership position if he decides to officially turn at all. Because uh, like right now, we're just being teased. We don't know if it's official. Uh, if it's officially I it turn anything yet. Uh, but yeah, basically, we get a lot more of that same magic uh, on Monday. Uh, the only difference was Drew gets the the pin. I believe it was on Ambrose. I think. Or was it Rollins? Well, no, because I think I think Rollins
0: took the pin because Ambrose walked out on him.
1: Uh, Ambrose walked out at the end of the match, though, after the match. Okay. Yes, yeah, so like it, it was like at, that match ended with uh, Roman and okay. Seth. They're in one corner of the ring. Uh. Licking their wounds, whereas Dean is like on the other half of the ring, also licking his wounds, and he just for some reason unexplained just walks out of the ring and yeah. walks backstage, and like that—that's how the show ends—is just utter confusion as to what side is he on now. Especially after we thought they were finally unified, because at the Super Showdown, the the match ends with them getting the win and them doing the unified fists uh, yeah. of the Shield. And we're like, okay, they're back on the same page. And, oh, now they're not again. So, hard, hard to say where things are going. I just remember Drew got the pin. Uh, Drew got the pinfall victory on Monday uh, on either Seth or Dean. I can't remember which one. Uh, so, Drew is really benefiting from this rivalry. In that. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, it's good to see as well
0: because Drew – you froze again.
1: Yeah, the Wi-Fi is a little wonky lately. Um, but yeah, but as I was saying, Drew—he's been benefiting from this rivalry in that, whenever the Dogs of War have gotten a victory, he's been the one who got that victory mm-hmm. for the team, uh, or individually. So Drew, Drew is really benefiting. I'm I'm interested to. See, there's just are well of- deserved too because, ever since Drew came back, he has been you know, on fire. Abs- much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right right now we just have a lot of questions without answers. And as raw continues, and as we get closer to crown jewel, we'll, we'll get those answers. We'll get those answers. All
0: right. Speaking of crown jewel, let's move on to the number one contender match. Daniel Bryan taking on the Miz. What a segue right there, huh?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. And, uh, this match was two Danubei minutes
0: In less than two minutes.
1: No, uh, uh, less than three minutes. The match itself was two minutes and 25 seconds. So, lasted longer than you thought, but definitely the shortest match of the card. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like... It was a, a schoolboy, too, right? Yeah, schoolboy, which... I'm trying to think, was that's supposed to be like a double pinfall and just didn't turn out that way. Uh, like there, there, there were several times where I, I looked back at that finish and I thought, was that a botch? Like, was that supposed to be a botch on, on the rest part? Because you could tell like Gator
0: Bryan's music didn't hit it till way after.
1: Well, if it, if it, if it wasn't a botch or if it was a botch, they've done a great job of hiding it. On the yeah. SmackDown since because like, you know uh, they had AJ and Daniel Bryan on uh, Miz, TV, Miz TV, and you know Miz is still acting like he's not suffered any damage from this loss. So for all we know, he could be added to the mix at some point uh, uh, for for this Do title you think at Crown Jewel. It will be a three way match. Hard to say because it is Bryan and AJ. Weird, it's hard to say because the universal title match is already a three way. That's so, what I was thinking. Like, maybe they'll have like two of them. there there was a rumor that it could have been a four way with Joe being the fourth guy. Uh, but but like yeah. with, with what they've done with Joe since then with, with like him his match with Jeff Hardy from this week ending in a stoppage because he couldn't continue. Uh, hard to say what the plans are as, as we well, get to the Crown Jewel, but uh, we we do know what is set in stone right now is AJ is defending his title against Daniel Bryan. And yeah. knowing their past, knowing what they bring to the table, that match, in itself, super excited. that match in itself is guaranteed fireworks right there.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Either the way I see it, either Miz Weasel's his way – into this match, making a three-way, or Miz attacks Daniel Bryan before Bryan has the chance to win the match.
1: We won't know for sure. We won't know for sure because either yeah,
0: that or Bryan wins the title clean and Miz challenges
1: him for the title. Uh, um, I think they want to make sure AJ holds the belt for at least a full calendar year. I I I feel like that's where they're. That's where they're going because. So that means he'll have to hold it till Survivor Series at least. Yeah, which isn't a bad thing because AJ no. AJ's been a solid champion. AJ AJ's and He's been,
0: not Brock Lesnar.
1: Yeah, yeah, like he I, I, If anything, he is Pete Dunne, uh, I, or yes. a more experienced, much better, much more seasoned Pete Dunne, and, and- <laughs> a much better Pete Dunne. No, no offense to Pete Dunn. It's just like AJ is, has been in the business way longer, and has uh, like, don't worry, Pete Dunn, you'll get there. You'll get. Getting
0: there. sidetracked again, real quick. There's a video that went viral of a of an indie match where Pete Dunn attacked somebody using an audience member's shoe, and it is the funniest thing I've seen all week. Is it PWG? I don't think it was. I think it was like a British maybe IPW
1: event or whatever. Yeah, so but I wouldn't be surprised if it's PWG because they hit people with Legos and gummy bears there. Just
0: the fact that, like, and what's funny is the person took forever to, to untie a shoe, and, and you can see Pete Dunn like, come on, come on, I need a shoe, I need a shoe. Like, like, He legit kept looking back to make sure the guy was down. He's like, come on, I need that shoe. When he finally got it. He went ham on everybody. What did it?
1: Uh, send me that video when you get a chance.
0: I will, dude. It's hilarious.
1: But, uh, yeah, the match was short. There's not really much to discuss. Miz is contesting the result. Daniel Bryan is like, eh, screw you. Uh, yeah, I'm focused on the gold now. So I think Bryan was even shocked the match was over. Uh, I'm pretty sure that once once we hear a little bit more from the dirt sheets, we'll figure out for sure whether or not that was planned or whether or not something just went wrong with the execution. and. Uh, or maybe they just wanted – maybe it was a last-minute thing where they wanted to give Triple H and The Undertaker more time to work. And oh, God. And, and we saw the result of that, didn't we? Again, you, you're you're the pessimist on the optimist here. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Let's okay. move on to that match. Let's move on to, on to the main event. So Shawn Michaels comes out first. Um, then Triple H, he comes out. Then Kane. And then The Undertaker in all his glory. And um, as JoJo is announcing the competitors in the match, uh, she mentions not only is this the last time ever, but it is now a no disqualification match. And the commentary team is like saying, uh, is bringing up that, oh, Triple H using his boardroom power here to yeah. make things more interesting in this fight. Uh, and... I did not like this match. Uh, I can't say whether I liked it or not uh, because when I watched it on this weekend, I was like kind of half paying attention. It had been a long day because like, yeah, yeah the pay-per-views are, f- are four to five hours long these days. So a lot to pay attention to. Eventually you're going to want to like check your phone and um, your Instagram and this and that.
0: Um, yeah.
1: The part, uh, the parts that I did see, I was like, okay, okay, this feels a little bit old school. It's kind of, it kind of brings me back to when these guys went at it in Mania. They were hitting each other with furniture. Um, the real story, though, is what happened after the match, which is that, okay, Triple H won first of all. Uh, secondly, we we get this embrace of all four of these guys in the middle of the ring. They're raising each other's hands, and then as DX. Tries to walk away, the brothers of destruction pulled them back in. Is the it? No very, way, a very unusual heel turn by the Undertaker and Kane. Um, uh, and then they just wail on them, and mm-hmm. m- more so Shawn Michaels than anything. And for for you, I, I, this is where you are upset because you you have explained to me uh, on several occasions that. You, your your favorite retirement of all time is when Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. lost at uh, WrestleMania twenty six and then never came back uh, because
0: it was in his hometown. It was again. It wasn't a great match against the Undertaker, and it was an emotional send off for Shawn. And, and now he's throwing that all away for random old, you know, for uh. Four, uh
1: 50-year-old men in a tag team match at a crown jewel event so you say throwing it all away i i don't see it that way because the the way the story has been told it was about respect like these four guys regardless of what kind of beef they had they always had respect for each other and respect for the undertaker and what the undertaker has accomplished is why Shawn michaels had stayed out of retirement
0: which I, I never understood that. Why would you say out of retirement, out
1: of respect for somebody? Uh, out of respect for the Undertaker and out of respect for the business, because in a way, the Undertaker is the business. Like for the, for the uh, other ma- thing though, what?
0: Michaels is always talking about respect, but he's not a man of his word. He said after twenty six, if I lose, I am done. I'm not coming back. What does he do? He comes back. That is that's not showing respect to anybody. That's showing disrespect to the wrestling fans because you gave them your word and to the undertaker because he's the guy who retired you.
1: Again, let me finish the thought here. Let me finish the thought here. Uh, reason why Shawn Michael stayed in retirement for this long was because as he stated in storyline, it was out of respect for the undertaker and out of respect for the business. The undertaker is basically the business of wrestling in that the, Think back to all those stories we've heard of what went on in the locker room during the Attitude Era, before that, and after that. Undertaker was basically the judge of wrestling court. Whenever there was a beef going on backstage, he was the guy who had the final verdict. So in a way, the Undertaker is the Supreme Court of wrestling. Uh, And so his word is law. His word is law. And Shawn Michaels, he was like, out of respect for you out of respect for wrestling out of respect for the law of the business I will remain retired and so basically when the brothers of destruction after having that moment with DX in the ring at the Super Showdown of where they were all embracing each other raising each other's hands of like the era is over again and and then they just jump him from behind out of nowhere and undertaker puts Sean through a table and just demolishes him all that respect goes out the window so like Sean's like okay I've always been a rebellious son of a gun all respect I had for you has gone out the window so now I'm coming out of retirement I uh, and I'm gonna handle my business I'm gonna yeah, right. so so for me that's enough that that that's enough for me to get behind this the question really is, can Sean still go? Because, like, very... It, 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 it's... We've, we've seen Triple H and we've seen The Undertaker, and while they can still go, arguably, they've gotten slower over the years. Uh, then there are guys like... Really this match. Who, yes. Then there are guys like Chris Jericho who have found ways to keep going regar- uh, regardless of what era of wrestling they're in. Jericho what has what found the fountain of youth. I'm... I'm sure about that. It's called DDP Yoga. Apparently. Uh, yes. Um, and, like, Ricky Steamboat, arguably he can still go whenever they need him. Like, we, we saw at, I believe it was WrestleMania 24, I think? Uh, like uh, uh, Yes. 20. No, 25. Well, when Jericho went against all the legends at once, uh, I I remember the, him and Steamboat were basically the... Best parts of that match. So, like, there are guys who can still go regardless of age. Like, uh, uh, it's a, and when Shawn Michaels, when he had to take his break for five years and he came back in 2002. It wasn't a break. Oh, talk about that one. Yeah. When when he got injured and then came back in 2002, uh, he showed that he hasn't, he hadn't really lost a step. And, even when he was getting older, getting close to when we got to WrestleMania 26, he was still on like five-star matches. So we haven't seen him wrestle for a, a full match for a long time. I think that's why we're getting a tag match as opposed to one-on-one. Over two because, years. As opposed to a one-on-one is because they want to test to see how much he can do in his first match in eight years. Um, but – I'm optimistic, you're pessimistic. I, I want to see w- what these what these four can do in a tag team match uh at Crown Jewel and then hopefully if all works out we get a few more dream matches out of Shawn Michaels uh, and then we're not uh, getting AJ versus Michaels. That's not happening. I would like to say I would like to believe otherwise. I would like to believe otherwise. John already said and AJ's already said that this match isn't happening. Never say never. Never say never.
0: See, my point uh, My point again, I love Michaels. I love DX. I love the Brothers, Brothers of Destruction. I do not want to see four 50-year-olds in a main event match, which you know they're going to make this the main event, over, over younger guys who should have the main event spot.
1: I don't know if this will be the main event. It's going to be the main event. I think they've put so much into Roman versus Braun versus Brock in terms of advertising that that will likely be the main event. No. But... Because the Prince of Saudi Arabia
0: wanted these guys. So they're going to make these four the main events. we'll, We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But... I'm just. I don't see why
1: Michael's is coming back to begin with. He uh, doesn't need to. Well, for one, when the Saudi prince offers you like ten million dollars, it's a good motivator. But
0: <laughs> but he's not getting all that ten million dollars though. He may get five hundred thousand, maybe a million off of this, but he he doesn't need it. Like I kind of I kind of. I understood why Flair wrestled for TNA. He blew his money. Michaels has been smart with his money. He doesn't need to come back. And if I'm being honest, I don't want him to come back. I love Michaels, but I don't want him get injured. I don't want him doing something that's going to, you know, fuck up his neck, his back, whatever. And I don't, They're doing this for nostalgic purposes and just to get that pop in ratings. But that's not going to sell tickets anymore. If those four guys cannot go, which we've seen in Taker and Triple H, Triple H can go still. Taker can't. And Kane, I don't think, can either. But if those four cannot deliver. That's not selling tickets that's a one pop moment and that's it.
1: We'll finish off here we'll finish off here um, and you you asked the question of why is Sean coming back he doesn't need to and the, the main reason I can just think of is besides financial motivation even if even if he doesn't need the finances um, the, the the other reason I can think of is simply because, he wants to why did goldberg come back i mean obviously they offered him a lot of money but at the same time it was that desire to get the opportunity for his family to see him compete the difference is goldberg Wait. wasn't actually retired he
0: was still active in some of the the indie scenes at the time michaels
1: has, has been gone for over 10 years so like he, he eight, was done. Eight years because WrestleMania 26 was 2010.
0: Was it eight years?
1: Yeah. Still, close to 10 years. Let me finish the thought here. Let me finish the thought. I I'm I think that it's simply because Sean wants to. It, 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 there's it, there's that, like, when he left the business, but obviously there's still a part of him that's, that still misses it. And, like, you, you, can say this thing, uh, you can say the same thing of like, why does Kurt Angle still wrestle? He doesn't need to. Simply, simply put, he wants to. Why does Chris Jericho still wrestle or still perform with his band uh, or put on all these events with both um, when he doesn't need to? Simply put, he wants to. He likes doing this. Uh, why do you, the Bellas still wrestle when they have their wine line now and they have everything oh, I, I, I don't the, understand why the Bellas wrestle in general, but Simply put, they want to. They like wrestling, and they they more uh, you know, the bellows. Like let that. me make the analogy. Let me make the analogy here. Why? Why? The the bottom line is none of these, none of those guys that I mentioned have to come back to wrestling. So why are they coming? Why do they still wrestle? Simply put, they want to. That desire to perform is still there, and Sean has the motivation in this case to go out one more time at least and ha- and and have that match. And maybe a few more after that, depending on how this one goes. And I'm not going to be mad at that because, you know, if this were Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, I would be furious because those guys have suffered a lot of brain damage. That's an actual fight. This is wrestling. So if, like, the old guard still wants to come back, I'm not going to be upset I can be a little annoyed if they're being booked in the main event picture when they probably shouldn't be. But if they want to come back in general, I'm not going to complain because who am I to tell them when they should call it quits? And that's where I feel like we should end the conversation there.
0: Well, hold on. I have something to add with Jericho and with Goldberg, Jericho can still go. He's proven that he has not retired yet. He's still in his active career. So I knocked that off in general because Jericho's still in his career. Goldberg never officially retired. He came back to WWE for the Hall of Fame ceremony. They wanted to put the title on him. Okay. Shawn Michaels decided himself to walk away from the business because, one, his back was probably giving him a whole bunch of trouble, two, he felt it was time to ride off in the sunset. Perfect moment, WrestleMania 26, or 24, I'm sorry, but perfect moment to leave, and the way it was done was beautiful, and now to throw away everything you said, to give to give us your word that you're walking out when you still can walk out, and to come back for this random tag team match that really has no build to it. Against four guys, three guys that, in my opinion, should retire and go into the Hall of Fame. That doesn't do anything except go back on your word after your retirement was perfect. You can't. Michael doesn't can't, need to come back. You can't say there's no build when I've laid out. For, uh, uh, the, What's the build? The brothers destruction attack them. Oh my god, that's the same thing with the Bellas.
1: No. Uh, not just that but also like I I laid out the WrestleMania 26 stuff and everything that happened after that and then how the attack uh, uh, compromises all that which leads to this tag match like that 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 is the story again little seeds little seeds that lead to big things uh, uh, like, y- you can't just like ignore those and say there's no build like it, it, cuz like little little details matter Little details matter. And th- they've been laying out those little details, and now we're here at this point where we're seeing the flower grow. And it, whether or not it blooms or if it just rots before it, the sun ever hits it is, is the question. I I think th- I, th- I think there's a chance for a bloom. Y- you're more skeptical about that. We'll see.
0: It's not just me skeptical. A lot of people do not want this. Fair enough, fair enough. But they're going to... I always go back to the fact that wrestling should move forward. You can have your nostalgic moments, but when it starts overshining your younger talent, which without a doubt, this will be the main event of Crown Jewel. Without a doubt, that's overshining all the young talent that you are trying to build by having
1: this nostalgic moment. You've got a point there. You've got a point there. But obviously the Saudi prince wanted this. So to say that nobody wants this is a bit of a false statement. And I, I said nobody.
0: I said nobody wanted this. Uh, some people do. I said a lot of people don't.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Because I, I we're getting it regardless of whether we want it or not. Yeah. And uh, since we're getting it, I'm going to try my best to enjoy it as opposed to find reasons to be upset with it. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it, and if it's good, I'll say it's good. If it's not, I'm going to tell you it was fucking trash. And that, and that's fair. That's your prerogative. But for me, I'm getting an opportunity to see Shawn Michaels in the ring one more time, and to see him live in the ring one more time. I'm not gonna complain about that because he is one of the greats. I admit he is
0: one of the greats, but again, coming back for a random tag team match—like, what was the point of his big return when you're not going to put the build and make it a one-on-one return match? Like, make this a big deal if he's coming back, not just a random tag team
1: match that you're doing like for the I feel like they technically are. I feel like they technically are, and you're just in denial about how they're doing it, but. I Dude, feel like we- it's,
0: uh, it was built on respect,
1: and I don't fucking think
0: that that build is working.
1: And I do, and we've gone through this long enough. I want to end this conversation. <laughs> uh, so, can we? All right. What's that, your plan? Yeah, that's been our review of the Super Showdown. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube at Nico Suave Raguli. Find me with Hunter every week for the Week of Wrestling podcast, disagreeing on whether or not wrest- whether or not we can be happy with wrestling or not. Um, I can be happy with wrestling when it's done right, uh, and you and I have different opinions on what is right. Um, and let's see, Multiplex Entertainment—that's the name of the Facebook group and the YouTube channel. The Twitter is MultiplexYT. The Instagram is Multiplex Entertainment Network. The Instagram, uh, the uh, T Public is just Multiplex uh, Sundays. It's around the league, hosted by me. Mondays are Movie War Zone. Tuesdays are TV Throwdown, switching back and forth between regular and fandom. Um, Wednesday, we missed this week, but it's Sports battleground, Ground, Sports battlefield, Field, excuse me, and um, Fantasy Football Recaps with Caleb CoHo. Uh, Thursdays were free. Uh, Fridays are fandom fight. Saturdays are nerdgasm. And Caleb Coho is trying a whole bunch of other shows out. So, yeah, check us out there. And Hunter, go for it.
0: You guys can find me over at my YouTube channel, Film Nerd TV. You guys can find me over at Multiplex Entertainment by Inlaw Trivia. You guys can also find me right here at the Week of Wrestling Podcast. Every Saturday, disagreeing with Nico about all things pro wrestling, which is what we did a lot in this episode. Um, and you, you guys can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Our TV And you guys can find me at on Facebook at Hunter Ray Chambliss, complaining about Vince's dumb decisions. All right, guys. So we'll see you guys soon. Later.